0: It's time for Roundtable on KPBS. Today, we're talking about a proposal from local leaders to ban camping in public places in San Diego. It's a response to something that can be hard to miss, the large number of people living in encampments throughout the city. We asked you, our audience, what you thought of the proposed ban. Find a
1: place for these homeless people to reside. Banning them from existing is not gonna work unless you wanna put them all in jail.
0: Would building enough affordable housing solve the problem? And how Los Angeles' public camping ban has impacted the number of people living on the streets there? That's ahead on Roundtable. Welcome to KPBS Roundtable. I'm Matt Hoffman. We're back with you after a few weeks away and we have some news. Roundtable will now be an hour on KPBS radio Fridays at noon and there's going to be a rebroadcast that's airing Sundays at 6 a.m. You can also stream our show at KPBS.org or from the KPBS app. Today on the show, homelessness. It's a top concern for many San Diegans, and if you've been downtown recently, it's hard to miss the situation that's unfolding on the streets. Now city leaders have a proposal to address homeless encampments, a ban on camping in public places. The city is also planning to start enforcing a law that prohibits people from living in their vehicles. Joining us to discuss all this news on homelessness are... Lisa Halverstadt, she's the senior investigative reporter with The Voice of San Diego. Gary Worth is also back with us. He's a reporter with the San Diego Union-Tribune who often reports on homelessness. And finally, Gail Holland joins us. She reports on homelessness and addiction for the Los Angeles Times. I want to welcome you all to Roundtable. Lisa, we'll start with you, this camping ban ordinance. Can you explain the details of it and how it came about?
2: Well, pressure has really been building on downtown city councilman Stephen Whitburn, um, especially because homelessness has been surging citywide, but especially in his district. And so Stephen Whitburn decided that there needed to be more places for people to go so that the city could make a visible dent in unsheltered homelessness because... Per um, a 2018 federal court ruling, you can't enforce any sort of camping ban unless there are shelter options for people. So, what he is proposing is to ban camping on public property when there is shelter available, but then also to ban homeless camps at all times within two blocks of schools or shelters in parks, which includes Balboa Park and Mission Bay Park, um, along trolley tracks and some other locations as well. And what he's saying is he wants to open what he's calling uh, safe sleeping sites where people can be uh, where they're allowed to camp.
0: And Lisa, we've seen multiple months of record numbers of homeless in downtown San Diego. Can you sort of put that in perspective for us or paint a picture and describe what the situation on the streets looks like now?
2: So street homelessness has definitely been surging throughout the city, but especially downtown. Um, The latest downtown partnership count, which is a downtown business group, they had counted more than 1,830 people that were sleeping downtown and some areas just outside of it. Um, Folks throughout the city are also seeing more open drug use among unhoused folks. And there's a feeling that um, people that are housed can't escape seeing or running into unhoused people. And unhoused people really feel that tension, too. I think that's really important to mention, that they feel that they're not wanted. And often the question that I think we're going to get into in this conversation today is, well, if I can't be here, then where can I be? Where can I go?
0: And let's now bring in Gary Worth from the Union Tribune. Gary, we understand that this ordinance is supported by the mayor as well. Why are he and Councilmember Whitburn calling for this approach now?
3: Well, I think, just as Lisa said, that there's just a lot of pressure on them or uh, just watching a situation get more and more intense downtown. It's about like for six months, uh, the downtown partnership um, monthly count was breaking a record. Every month there was a record number of uh, of people downtown until it uh, reached almost 2,000 people. And uh, constituents are you know approaching uh the mayor and um council member Whitburn uh just wouldn't whenever they see them I think in public uh I hear and uh and bringing it up to them and it it is very visible and I I did a story um a few weeks ago on just the number of people who are living downtown and saying it's just the the quality of their life uh is just being affected and they're losing compassion about uh what they're saying and they're losing patience uh with the mayor and, and um with the city and they just want to change and i i feel in in a way what you know what they're saying though isn't that different because um just for the past several years the mayor said uh i don't want to see people living on the street i I think that that's unacceptable. It's not sanitary. We're going to do more outreach and, you know, we saw waves of uh, increased outreach, but we've also seen the number of people downtown increase. We've seen more shelter beds, uh, you know, get established under the mayor and we've still seen more people downtown uh, living on the street. Uh, So I I think that they're just kind of responding once again uh, to a lot of feeling from people downtown uh, who think, you know, you're not doing anything though. So, you know, they made this statement that uh, after they have a couple more things in place, they're going to try to do some more enforcement. And just as uh, the mayor put it, not take no for an answer Um, and the perception that people are turning down services and, and shelter, that's not always true. Uh, There's usually waiting lists to get into shelters, uh, but, um, it is true that when you ask a lot of people downtown uh, who are on sidewalks, uh, would you go into a shelter? They they do say no. They always say yes. I would take housing, uh, but when I've asked them, um, said, so "Would you consider keeping your tent and maybe being in some safe campground that cops wouldn't bother you? There'd be uh, be more sanitary and." And he said, yeah, uh, though, but we, we've never had that, uh, though. And they're, they're still talking about maybe having something like that.
0: And Gail Holland from the Los Angeles Times is also here with us. Gail, it sounds like Los Angeles also has a camping ban that's already in place. What are the details of that? Is it similar to sort of what you're hearing is being proposed in San Diego?
4: Yes, it's very similar. It's been there for two years and uh, 2,000 different sites near schools, daycare centers, and some of the other categories have been cited. I don't know how many people in Los Angeles feel that the visual impact of encampments has changed. Um, Enforcing, well, for one thing, enforcement is very tricky because of the court decision that that was mentioned earlier. Enforcement, every dollar you spend on enforcement is a dollar that comes out of money that can be spent. On housing, which is really what I think Los Angeles has come to the conclusion. I think we're a little bit ahead, maybe San Diego, is the only solution. Shelters are expensive. Um, Safe camping is also expensive. And there is a record. I know there has been more recent safe camping places in Seattle and Portland that have worked well but there is a history of disorder and um, some of the same problems that people see in the street and those campgrounds ending up being closed down. So I think one, what Los Angeles is doing now, kind of moving, they're still continuing to expand the same kind of no-go zones that San Diego is, uh, sounds like they're about to start. But one of the The new mayor, Karen Bass, is trying to move encampments, everybody in one encampment, together into a motel room and then move them to housing.
0: The proposal in San Diego to ban camping on public property, it largely relies on shelter beds being available. I think everybody sort of mentioned this. And Lisa, we know that the city's been trying to increase the number of shelter beds they have, but... Being realistic, I mean, how many shelter beds are there now compared to the number of people who are homeless? I mean, are there just like hundreds or thousands of empty shelter beds lying around?
2: There aren't a lot of empty shelter beds, I can tell you that. Um, So as of this week, uh, city officials told me that there are about 1,829 shelter beds. Um, Now, you know, as we talked about before, there are close to that number of people sleeping in the general downtown area. Um, But if you look at the last point-in-time count, which we have the data for 2022, um, and I would note that that is just broadly considered to be an undercount, even by the organization that leads that effort, they counted just under 2,500 people citywide in 2022. Um, What we're seeing around the city suggests that there's going to be a higher number to report when the 2023 count is unveiled. Um, I think what this all comes down to is that the city is going to have to provide hundreds of additional options. Um, and this is very challenging for a lot of reasons. It's, it's tough to site shelters. Um, but to, to Gary's point earlier, I think, you know, the type of shelter that they offer is really crucial as well. Um, a lot of folks aren't necessarily interested in that straight shelter bed. However, I will tell you that in a given week, a good percentage of shelter referrals don't actually result in people being placed into housing. Um, I think it's just a, you know about just over a third in an average week of shelter referrals, including from outreach workers, including from police, result in somebody actually ending up in a bed now. Um, so it's not as if no one wants shelter. A lot of people do want shelter, but a lot of the people that the community is most concerned about, they may not want to go into that traditional shelter that that people envision of, you know, dozens of bunk beds in a single room. Hmm.
0: And, and Gary, we know that you spoke with one homeless advocate who says that this proposed public camping ban is sort of redundant. I mean, what did he mean by that?
3: Well, there's already laws about encroachment and illegal lodging. Uh, so if they wanted to enforce those, they and they have enforce those so i i i don't see the big difference uh between you know it's like saying we're going to do this now when they could have done it already you know and they and they have you know they've uh they've cited a lot of people for an encroachment and illegal lodging uh and so that's that's what he meant by being redundant um though but i wanted to um so add to you know something that lisa was talking about i i think that the the city does hold some shelter beds uh just uh to be able to legally um you know force people to make a choice um you know it's like we we do have these shelter beds open uh, but they're about to lose shelter beds too with the winding down of the golden hall shelter so that's like 500 beds so it used, you know before that announcement every time they open up a new shelter it was a net gain but now it's going to be just making up for something that's lost until they create another 500 beds and then we could start seeing that that we're getting some some new beds uh as far as shelters go um but as as we were talking about maybe they could offer something besides shelters like the um you know more safe parking lots and some uh, uh, a safe campground
0: uh too. And that Golden Hall shelter that you mentioned, that's the old San Diego Convention Center located in downtown San Diego. And Gary, we know that you had a recent story about downtown condo owners, and they seem to be fed up with what they perceive as increases in homelessness in their neighborhood. We heard from someone from our audience who referred to it as compassion fatigue. Do you hear that a lot from either people reacting to your story or when you're out downtown talking to people?
3: Uh, yeah, I think that's a good way of, uh, of putting it. Um that they've uh tired of being compassionate and this is from some people who have told me i have been compassionate um but you know they they might have had an encounter with somebody and uh, you always remember the bad encounter that you have and and uh and maybe make a generalization uh about um you know a, a group of people or even a profession uh, though um and You know, I think everyone who lives downtown probably has had some kind of uncomfortable encounter with with somebody uh, Mm -hmm. uh, or they're just sick of having to walk around the sidewalk and push their baby carriage into the street because they can't use the sidewalks anymore. And um, and these people where they were living. It, it was a it was a bad area, but it wasn't even the worst area. they they, they were like on, on 9th Street and if you go on 17th Street it's uh, it's
0: definitely a lot worse. Lisa, do we know if the mayor's changed his approach to homelessness or and if so, how like as we've seen the problem, you know maybe get worse?
2: I mean, I think one thing that's important to note when we talk about enforcement is that um, Mayor Todd Gloria, when he was campaigning for office, he actually campaigned against this sort of crackdown on homeless camps um, that his predecessor, Mayor Kevin Faulkner, um, really, really championed. Um, and when he actually took office though, he started making, you know, some of the comments like Gary was talking about, which are very similar to what Kevin Faulkner said. No is not an okay answer. You need to accept the services that are offered. Um, he continued that enforcement, um, and, um, at different points has sort of ramped it up. And, and here we are again, um, with this discussion, you know, of, of cracking down, um, with this, with this new proposal, I will say, you know, I think, you know, he would probably want me to to say that um, he really has uh, also tried to champion um, reforms and to work on getting uh, more housing production, especially for that very low income um, and affordable housing and and middle income housing as well. Um, And, you know, that there has been an effort to really, you know, open up more shelters, But I think, you know, where I've seen the most variance in his approach is really when it comes to enforcement and his thoughts on that. Um, And that's more comparing the campaign um, versus when he actually took the office.
0: We'd like to hear from you about if you're affected by homelessness. Give us a call at 619-452-0228 and leave us a voicemail. Coming up, we'll hear some questions from our audience about this proposed camping ban.
1: What are you going to do with all the homeless that are now in these encampments? You're going to tell them it's illegal? Where are they supposed to go?
0: You're listening to KPBS Roundtable. You're listening to KPBS Roundtable. I'm Matt Hoffman. This week, we're discussing homelessness as the city of San Diego considers a ban on camping in public areas. Our guests are Voice of San Diego's Lisa Halverstadt, Gary Worth from the San Diego Union Tribune, and Gail Holland from the Los Angeles Times. So guys, we put out a question to our audience earlier asking if they agreed with the city's proposed ban. And in short, we got a lot of responses. And most people we heard from do support the ban. But a lot of those people also mentioned the need for affordable housing and other wraparound services. Now, there were others who disagreed, saying that it criminalizes homelessness, and they ask where the city expects people to go. So we have some questions for you guys we'll ask you guys to respond or help give us some perspective here a question from alicia she said can't the city find a place nearby downtown like a field and make it a camp land for homeless but rules and recovery have to be followed lisa i think you touched on this earlier that has been in the works right
2: yes um so i'll give you some history and then i'll talk about where we are currently so um months back the city had identified a fairly small parking lot downtown um, that it wanted to put a safe campground on. But that plan fell apart, um, as I reported earlier this year, after a provider that the city had been in talks with walked away. And the big issue that sort of became clear to me at that time um, is that providers, Mayor Todd Gloria's office, the Housing Commission, which oversees a lot of the shelter contracts, they really think that you need to have a certain amount of staffing and amenities like bathrooms, um, you know, like uh, certain services or oversight um, to make a project like this a success. So a lot of people think of, well, why don't you just, you know, tell people they can be in this parking lot? Um, They aren't interested, though, at the city level in pursuing a sanctioned camp that doesn't have services and amenities. And so now to talk about where we are now, Um, so the mayor and council member Whitburn recently had their press conference, and there I asked them about, okay, so you're talking about the piece of, you know, this this ordinance and crackdown. Where are people going to go? And and what I got them to to share with me is that they are checking out Inspiration Point, which is a parking lot in Balboa Park um, that is kind of far flung. It's on the edge of the park. A lot of people don't even know that it exists. Um, but they're looking at that to see if it could be workable for some sort of safe campground. They're looking at other options, too. They haven't made their final decision yet. And uh, what Mayor Gloria's chief of staff told me is if the city were to proceed with Inspiration Point as its spot, um, it would probably put about 200 to 300 campsites there. And Councilmember Whitburn has told me that, He would want to make sure to respect the fact that this is located in a park and make sure that there's, you know, some sort of screen or something um, to make sure that, you know, people have their privacy and also the park isn't so impacted by having this location. Now, still very much to be determined here. Um, A big question that I have is how much is this all going to cost? Is that going to be feasible? Um, How are they going to get utilities set up there? Because that's often something that adds a lot of cost, too, is actually, like, making sure that when you go to the bathroom, it has a place to go and that you can get running water. Um, So that's where we are with that now.
0: And we know that there's definitely been some delays on there, too. And, Gary, we want to get your perspective here, too. Here's a similar question that we had from a listener who called into the Roundtable voicemail.
1: My name is Joan, and I live in San Diego. I don't know what good that's going to do. What are you going to do with all the homeless that are now in these encampments? You're going to tell them it's illegal? Where are they supposed to go? So the answer is find a place for these homeless people to reside. Banning them from existing is not going to work unless you want to put them all in jail. So I don't know what you're thinking. I think it's stupid to put a ban on people that don't have homes.
0: Along those lines, Gary, you know, Lisa just talked about it, addressing the question of where people would go. I mean, it sounds like that the mayor and council member Whitburn have addressed that. Is the only option that Lisa's talking about that's the one on the table? Uh no. Um
3: it actually it came up in uh press conference, I think Lisa was the one who brought this this up that um or maybe it was it was the mayor who brought it up that Lisa had written about um the uh, Regional Task Force on Homeless Monthly report uh, shows that a number of people uh, are housed every month, like uh, 700 and something people, for instance, maybe house of those, most of them, like 500 and something, find housing uh, on their own. And I think the mayor brought up, it's like, look, they don't all have to be going into shelters that the city is providing a lot of these people uh, every month, as this shows of uh, fine housing on their own. However, I don't think that those people are the same people that are just living on sidewalks and then deciding that they're going to go rent an apartment. I actually brought this up to Tamara Kohler, the um, uh, head of the Regional Task Force on on Homelessness, and said, uh, who do you think those people are, that 500 people? I've got a feeling that they are not um, chronically homeless people who are living on the sidewalks, but perhaps more likely somebody who has just fallen into homelessness, for a month or two and um, might have some temporary situation and then they do find housing on their own. So I don't think it's that easy that uh, just to say, well, maybe they're uh, just going to find their own housing where else they might go. Um, I I don't know, but um, maybe on the trolley and go to another city. Uh, though to the east or to the south, if um, if they continue to get hassled by police telling them that they're not supposed to be, and that's not a solution. Uh, you know, we don't want to see that happen. To just have homeless people go to Santee or uh, somewhere south of San Diego, and nobody is saying that that is what might happen, but. You know I got to think if, if somebody doesn't want to go in into a shelter and they also don't want to be bothered you know hassled by a, a cop every day they they may take another alternative and um and they, and they may go someplace else and that won't be a very um friendly uh neighborly thing to do for another city
0: and Gail how has Los Angeles handled this idea of where people would go in those areas where the camping ban is in place there
4: Los Angeles has expanded both not so many campgrounds, but uh, tiny house villages. And these, they're not traditional, they're called a bridge home. They're not traditional large shelters. They're they're much more controlled population, but they don't have enough places for people to go. I, I think with the new mayor and the person she put in charge of the Homeless Authority, they would like to see more money going to uh, permanent housing because temporary housing is not, of all the different descriptions, is not has not thus far made much of a dent.
0: Lisa, you know, Gail brought up this idea or that in Los Angeles they're using kind of these like tiny homes. I remember seeing that in headlines that that was something that San Diego was going to do. Whatever happened to that?
2: So that has been discussed a lot over the years um, in San Diego. Um, I believe there are now some tiny homes in El Cajon um, that I think Gary has written about in the past. And um, there are some discussions, you know, initially when they were talking about the safe villages uh, or the safe campground, there was some thought, could they be uh, tiny home villages possibly? Um, I will say that the next big thing on the tiny home front is that the governor recently um Decided to send communities across the state, um, basically these these tiny homes, uh, for lack of a better term. And San Diego will be getting 150 of them. Um, so I'll be watching to see what you know. What is the decision on where those go and how will they be used? Um, there is a lot of debate on you know the efficacy of tiny homes, and um, you know you still have to have. I mean the 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 question that just comes up constantly. Um, with, with all of these topics we're talking about today is where is it going to go? Like whether it's a tent camp, whether it's a tiny home, whether it's a permanent home, You have to figure out where it's going to go. And that's a challenge in San Diego, just as it is across the state.
0: And Gary, a couple of our audience members, they called into question the legality of this proposed ban. An audience member named Marissa wrote in saying it's illegal to ban camping if there's nowhere else for people to go. And we know we've talked about this court ruling and we know part of the San Diego proposal does take this into account. But I know you're not an attorney, but does Marissa have a point there that this could be illegal?
3: Yeah, I think uh, Lisa uh, referred to it as the Boise versus Henderson uh, decision, I think it was from 2017. Uh, And after that, uh, you know, it it was decided that you can't cite people for um, sleeping in a public place, if they don't have any other place to go. Uh, So cities have gotten around that, though, Uh, for instance, in Oceanside, uh, there was a large encampment, and there was no Uh, shelter in Oceanside. Uh, So they uh, created a hotel voucher program. And the day that went into effect was the day that they cleared out that large encampment. So you legally do have to give people a choice. And I understand that sometimes they do leave uh, a dozen or so shelter beds open specifically to be able to use them uh, for that type of enforcement. Now, then there's this um, other level of enforcement that Lisa referred to that uh, they want to do um, uh, near schools and parks and say no exceptions, even if there's no other place, uh, you know, no shelter bed open, you're not going to be allowed to be here. And uh, Brian Jones uh, had proposed a bill that does the same thing uh, statewide. it's It would prohibit outdoor you know, camping in certain places. And the mayor didn't explain it, but I, I think he said We've already talked to the city attorney and he says that it's um, that will be legal to do. So I'm not sure how, uh, but I, I guess uh, you can say you can't camp in some places no matter what. And and that um, that court decision doesn't apply. But overall, it's like I guess we're thinking that, well, if you move to someplace else, then we'll let you stay there if there's not a shelter bed open.
2: Well, part of what they're using there is public health and safety is what they're really hanging their hat on with that piece. Um, and, you know, I'd be really interested to hear, you know, if, if Gail has any insight on how that's worked um, in LA or some of these other communities that have done that because the argument San Diego's making is they can say, you know, you can't be in some of these areas because it poses a safety risk. Now, we'll have to see more of the legal analysis. We haven't seen a final ordinance, um, but... I'm not sure how they've worked that out in other communities.
4: Well, I think part of it is that no lawyer wants to go to court for the right for an encampment to sit next to a preschool or an elementary school. I mean, there would be a huge consensus that there should not be encampments while kids are walking to and from school or getting dropped off by their parents. I think that one of the things that came to mind while you were talking is part of what's going on right now in Los Angeles is that Los Angeles can have that on the books for two years. It doesn't seem to have had a great impact. But um, then City of Santa Monica had um, a surge, downtown surge in encampments that sounds similar to yours. They passed the ordinance and then the City of Culver City did because they neighbor each other, and their concern is that the people will be pushed into their area, and it becomes kind of an arms race. And as far as enforcement and the legality of the enforcement, I think a problem with it is that it becomes arbitrary. There's no way that in Los Angeles they can possibly patrol 2,000 sites that are no-go sites. So by definition, Some people will be cited in one area and other people will not be. And some people who object to the school in their area being near an encampment will be able to get that encampment moved, and other people will not. And that's something that could have legal implications. But I mean, a lot of the decisions. It's not like there's a huge, rich lobby of lawyers or law firms that want to bring civil rights litigation on behalf of homeless people. A lot of the decisions that have been won, including the Boise decision that you mentioned, were done on the cheap by small groups. So to some extent, it's who has the will to go to
2: court.
0: And we do have some more sound here. We have one from a listener who did not provide a name, but they also brought up sort of what we were talking about earlier, this idea that laws are already on the books that prohibit encampments.
1: It's not for lack of legislation. It's for lack of enforcement. Police have not been allowed to enforce existing laws. Duh.
0: What do you think about that comment, Lisa? Are you hearing that that could be the case that these laws are already on the books and it's just the lack of enforcement from the police department?
2: I want to bring up something that I brought up actually right after the mayor um, made his his announcement with councilmember Whitburn, um, and that is that we have a police staffing shortage, um, which I have reported on. and um, that is fueling increased response times to all sorts of calls, not just anything related to homelessness. Um, sometimes to very serious crimes, in fact. Um, and, you know, the city, you know, as this listener pointed out, does have rules on the books um, related to homeless camps. But the department has cut staffing for that division and cut overtime um, for this this division that does that sort of enforcement. Um, and so there's a question of does the police department have the capacity to enforce these uh, current rules or um, the, the new rules, and obviously that's, that's controversial. A lot of folks don't feel that it's it's appropriate um, that they should be enforcing. And I think it's also important to note that the enforcement itself um, for crimes associated with homelessness is complicated because the city follows a progressive enforcement model, which means that there are multiple contacts before somebody is cited or arrested for one of these violations, And so if you're the resident that's calling in or making a get it done complaint on the city's app, you might call or make a complaint and it might be that the police are coming out multiple times before there's ever any action. And maybe there's no action because there aren't aren't shelter beds available. So I think it's really important um, in the context of this to think about police staffing. I, I will note, too, and I said this to the mayor the other week as well, he had announced uh, several months back that he wanted to have unhoused individuals take their their tents down during the day. Um, I think anybody looking around San Diego right now would tell you that that's not happening. The reason for that, um, from everything I've been able to report, is that um, something you know very similar to what Gail was saying before is you can't have a police officer on every corner and there's a staffing shortage on top of that. So the enforcement will be challenging. Now, I will say Um, After this press conference, I reached out to the San Diego Police Department. They said that they're supportive. They're going to do whatever they can um, to support um, this new tool, as they would refer to it, if the city council indeed approves the ordinance. Um, But I'm going to be watching to see, you know, what they're actually able to do if it does pass. And I I do suspect that, you know, it's not going to be an overnight difference in, in what things look like around the city.
0: And our final question from our audience, it's a woman named Lenora who agrees with the ban and says that the current situation is unsanitary, unsightly, bad for families, tourists, and homeless. Gary, question for you here. You know, we've seen some of these unsanitary conditions contribute to public health crises. People may remember the hepatitis A outbreak back in 2017, starting to see some more of those cases again, not yet considered an outbreak. But how big of a concern is it, you know, this aspect of the problem as it relates to to public health or unsanitary conditions?
3: It's always a concern. Um, and Like Lisa said, that that's what they're hanging their hat on, saying this is a public safety and health issue uh it's it's very unsanitary that's they they do abatements and they um make people clear out and then they clean the sidewalk and uh people just move back in and uh yeah an an outbreak can happen anytime Uh, but it's just unsanitary conditions overall uh it stinks on 17th street and you you walk down it and uh there's uh I mean, you, you, you could find drug paraphernalia. You see people using drugs, uh, you know, openly, uh, too. And, um, there's worse things that you see on the street. Um, and even though they, they, they clean up, um, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's also dangerous in some ways. Like when they did the big abatement on Sports Arena Boulevard, um, uh, you know, the, uh, um, uh, the the crew that did the work uh, talked to me afterwards, and you know they they were finding things that they, they were really afraid that they were were uh, just dangerous, like um, you know kerosene cans, open uh, fuel, and uh, and you know we we've known that there, there's been fires in in encampments before, uh, so there's a lot of unsanitary conditions, and it's it's always going to be a, a health issue, uh, it's not just like um- But I
4: expect that some of the worst health outbreaks among homeless people have happened at shelters. Of course, it's very unsanitary on the street, and we all see what it looks like. So I think we know it's dangerous and it's unsanitary, but those problems don't necessarily go away by putting people in shelters. The biggest disease outbreak that ever hit homeless people in Los Angeles was a shelter
0: outbreak of tuberculosis. We'd like to hear from you all, our audience, about if you're affected by homelessness. Give us a call at 619 452 0228 and leave us a voicemail. Our discussion continues right after the break. You're listening to KPBS Roundtable. You're listening to KPBS Roundtable. I'm Matt Hoffman. We're talking about recent news on homelessness in San Diego. Our guests this week are Lisa Halverstadt from Voice of San Diego, Gail Holland from the Los Angeles Times, and Gary Worth from the San Diego Union-Tribune. You know, Gary, maybe one piece of news that's sort of flown under the radar is San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria says that the city will once again start enforcing the ban on people living in their vehicles, that was something that the previous mayor, Kevin Faulkner, pushed harder on. That vehicle camping ban, Gary, it's been on hiatus since the pandemic. Why is it coming back now?
3: They've expanded the number of um, safe parking lots they have, and they're about to open up uh, another one. And that's going to be the ones that uh, in Claremont that has some of the, the FEMA ill cottages that um, or trailers that they've uh, had for a couple of years. They also changed the hours at... The parking lot that's around um, the uh, the stadium and so it's it allows rvs to be there 24 hours and I, I guess it's just thinking that this is a way of getting these people into the lots that they're paying for uh the, we we want these people off the street it's was never legal before they got a break for a while but we're spending this money on these safe parking lots and um this is a way of encouraging people to to get in them i think
0: and quickly, Lisa, I know you've done some great reporting showing how cars can be a lifeline for the unhoused. Are you hearing any pushback from advocates about this vehicle habitation ordinance coming back?
2: I absolutely am. Um, so you know, just to so everybody's clear, um, you know this law bans sleeping in vehicles. Um, and there has been uh, a federal legal challenge, a federal case actually uh, challenging this this enforcement. Um, and the attorney who's leading that charge told me she was just completely caught off guard um, by the news that this enforcement was going to be restarting. But she actually thought it was good for her lawsuit because she said it will allow her to collect more evidence of how this is harming her unhoused clients. But of course, she and other advocates are very angry about this. They argued that there aren't enough safe places for people to park in their vehicles and that the you know specifics of these lots often don't work for all of the folks. Um, you know, it can be really hard for people in RVs, for example, to get into the Mission Valley lot. It's it's kind of hard to get in and out of, I hear. And, you know, now uh, two of the lots are going to be 24 hours, but that had certainly been a problem. Um, also, you know, a lot of folks have broken down vehicles. They're not in the nicest vehicles. And so, dr- you know, driving in to one of these locations might be challenging, And then there's also, you know, the fact that you have to get intaked into one of these places. You can't just most of the time just drive up and get in. Um, There's a process. And, um, you know, certainly uh, that can kind of hold some folks back who might otherwise be interested. You know, maybe they decide to go elsewhere because they can't get a, a spot Um, Or maybe their vehicle gets towed before they can um, actually get a safe parking spot. That is something that I um, have heard um, from a couple mothers whose vehicles were towed last year.
0: And Gail, have you seen anything in Los Angeles? Is that pretty big? Like, are a lot of people sleeping in their vehicles out there? It sounds like uh, Los Angeles has something similar to San Diego.
4: Yeah, they do. And I think to the extent that there is enforcement in, again, those no-go areas near parks and, and schools, there's enforcement against people living in their cars in those within those same limits, but there's also a lot of areas where it's tolerated. And in my own neighborhood, there's uh, there's a number of streets where it's clearly tolerated because it's not hidden. There's you know along the freeway, there's a lot of trailers and uh, RVs. I don't think it's as big a focus of people's anger as the street encampments. So I, I haven't heard about a lot of
0: enforcement. And Lisa, let's come back as we wrap up here to the proposed camping ban. What's next there? When could the council make a decision on that ordinance or even see it?
2: The initial plan is for there to be a city council vote sometime this month. And before that happens, they'll have to release the actual ordinance. And I know there's a lot of folks, I literally just today got an email from somebody who's interested in seeing that ordinance. Um, I don't know for sure that it's going to go direct to council yet, or, you know, if there's a chance it might go to a committee hearing first, but I think there's going to be some action on that this coming month.
0: And Gary, what about the enforcement of the vehicle habitation ban? Do we have any idea when that will resume? Lisa, do you know? Uh,
2: I believe it's going to restart um, April 1st.
0: And as we wrap up the show here, quick final thoughts. What are you looking for ahead as it relates to homelessness? And Lisa, we'll start with you.
2: Well, certainly, you know, April is going to be a busy month for homelessness news. Uh, I'll be watching to see what happens um, with this camping ordinance and any updates on the possible safe campground. Brian Jones, as we talked about earlier, state senator, also may try to get his uh, legislation in front of a committee again, which which also looks at trying to ban um, homeless camps in in certain sensitive areas. And then we also have former Mayor Kevin Faulkner, who's working on a ballot measure. I'm really eager to see what that's about. Um, and then always just there's there's a lot of people suffering on the street. And I just think we shouldn't Shouldn't lose sight of that suffering as we talk about this, and that um, people are out there every day living in this, and that crisis continues.
0: And Gary, your final thoughts here?
3: Yeah, all that. <laughs> so a lot is going to be happening this this month, and also the uh, start of the ban on uh, on vehicle habitation. Um, I think uh, Lisa and I will be out on the street talking to some people uh, in um, in cars who. Uh, might have to deal with that that's that uh, that's going to be uh, a big change happening. but I'm eager to see you know what's going to happen with inspiration point or wherever something may um is be decided to put up something like that uh just looking for you know it's like new proposals. Uh, I think uh, uh Father Joe's is uh working on um you know t- two new sites uh that they they want to develop. Uh, for uh, for housing, like there's one vacant site and then there's the God's extended hand, um, you know, ministry, they're, they're going to demolish that building and, and, um, you know, uh, Deacon Jim Vargas, uh, head of Father Joe's who was saying I want to hold uh, Mayor Gloria to what he said about having 30 uh, day processing, you know, uh, for affordable housing, and he was hoping that this project will get built a lot faster than past ones had.
4: Well, in Los Angeles, um, um, I think it will be great if the council decides to actually order a study of uh, a similar ordinance we have that's already been in place for two years and see what the impact has actually been. And also uh, Los Angeles had <clears throat> a $2.1 billion housing for homeless people initiative and that housing should start actually in real numbers coming online. I have covered this for a long time. I have met the people who people think are, don't wanna come in, who've been out for years. The city is getting people in motel rooms, hotel rooms, and people that I've known for years on the street are getting housed. But it seems to me they're in apartments and they're, they're in motel rooms. They are not staying in shelters.
0: We're going to have to end it there for this week's edition of KPBS Roundtable. And I want to thank our guests, Voice of San Diego's Lisa Halverstapp, Gary Worth from the San Diego Union-Tribune, and the Los Angeles Times' Gail Holland. Roundtable is produced by Andrew Bracken, and Rebecca Chacon is our technical director. I'm your host, Matt Hoffman. And remember, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. Feel free to leave us a message by calling 619-452-0228. Thanks so much for being here with us. Have a great weekend.